0: Welcome to the Beneath Sport Podcast. My name is Daryl. I'm a football fanatic and all-around sports lover. Here at Beneath Sports, we take a deep dive into the landscape of Canadian sports and the people behind it. So tune in every Wednesday when a new episode drops and see what lies beneath. The jersey, the pads, and the helmet. Welcome to another episode of the Beneath Sport Podcast. Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing a very good friend of mine. He's a registered dietitian, combat athlete, and entrepreneur. Please welcome Terrence Boat Hey, everyone. How's it going? Boat <laughs> too easy. Hey. Okay. <laughs> so I know you personally, but I guess the audience doesn't know you. Um, can you just give us like, a brief rundown of like your story? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like you said, I'm a registered dietitian. I'm also a certified exercise
1: physiologist. And uh, I mean, it depends where you want to start, but I mean, I can start with all um, the letters here. Yeah. So um, I first went to school at uh, University of Waterloo where I studied kin and I did a minor in nutrition. And through those years, I was like, okay, this is actually what I want to do. Like, I love the nutrition side of it. I was really interested in how it affects sport performance as well as health. So I found out that to become a registered dietitian, it's a whole separate undergrad degree. So I went from that, studied uh, nutrition at Ryerson um, and then did a master's at Ryerson. And so now I'm both a dietitian and an exercise physiologist. And um, yeah, within a few years of graduating, I started my own clinic uh, downtown called CS Nutrition, where I see a lot of combat sport athletes, general athletes, and really general population
0: as well. Nice. So you attend the University of Waterloo for kin. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the time we came out of high school, like everyone and their mother wanted to do kin. Yep. Like everyone wanted to be physiotherapists or a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. I guess as like sports has changed and athletics has changed, it's become this whole like conglomerate right now. Yeah. So it's a huge industry, right? That's so like fun. you made that shift from food and nutrition, um, and that becomes your passion, right? Yes. What was that switch like? Like, cause I know knowing you coming out of high school, it was like, I'm going to be a physiotherapist Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So like, how was that shift like?
1: Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I think, well, I'll, I'll give you the honest answer. I'll g- I won't give you the corporate answer. So my honest okay. answer was, you know, I went to Waterloo, which was a really challenging school. And I felt like in like elementary school and high school, grades and stuff always came easy for me. I didn't really have to study that hard. So I didn't really understand what hard work was. And when I went into first year kin, I got bodied. I was, you know, I was getting <laughs> folded. The classes were hard. I was struggling. I didn't. I just mm. didn't know how to study. I didn't even know that I needed to study. Um, and I remember, so I'm doing all the same courses that you would do in preparation for physio school, and I mm. wasn't really enjoying it. I wasn't that passionate about it, and I wasn't yeah. successful. But in third year, we got to choose a minor, and um, I decided the nutrition sounded good as a blend with uh, kinesiology and. That was the first course that i just you know got like an a plus easily i was really into studying i learned how to do it and from there i was just extremely interested in it um and so yeah really right after that first course i knew i wanted to do something in the nutrition field and that's and that kind of propelled me forward um i think the other thing is with the with the nutrition side food is something that everybody does we all eat we all Mm -hmm. have to eat and so I find it's actually in terms of making lifestyle changes, it's a little bit easier for people to, you know, eat this instead of that, as opposed to picking up new habits, like exercise and that side of it when it comes to prevention of, of illness.
0: Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah. I just find it interesting when you said there, like when you got to university, like you just felt unprepared because yeah. like, I feel like how many people feel like that coming out of high school <sighs> and like how to study, like no one taught me how to study. No. It wasn't until I got to college and they were like, oh, so this outline, look at the titles and look at the titles in the book yeah. and that's what you should focus on. And I was like, oh, exactly." Shoot. So I don't read this entire thing is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but speaking about nutrition, like I've seen on your social media before. You've had this on before called yes. Uh, FODMAP. Yes. What exactly is that? And like, how would you recommend that to that client? Yeah, so um, the FODMAP
1: diet is its essentially a diet that's meant for people living with IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. Mm. Um, so what, what IBS really is, is for whatever reason, when you eat certain foods, it causes an array of digestive health issues like bloating, gas. And then it's usually characterized with either constipation or diarrhea. So you'll see um, IBSD for IBS diarrhea. IBS C for ibs constipation and then some people have a mixture so that's the issue and it's not really clear why people are getting these issues but what a fodmap is is it's it's an acronym and i won't bore you with every detail it's very scientific but each there are certain sugars in our diet basically that live that when we eat them the bacteria in our gut consume them and produce gas the way i describe it to a client is like um You know, in cows, cows eat grass, and it's not actually the cows that digest their grass. They have bacteria in their gut that break down the grass and make methane gas. That's why cows Mm -hmm. burp and fart and release methane into the environment. We do the exact same thing with certain foods, which is why some of us swell up and get distension when we eat certain foods. Mm -hmm. So a FODMAP diet eliminates all of the foods that are gas producing, that feed these bacterial properties for a period of time so that we can figure out, okay, I feel better. I'm not getting the diarrhea. I'm not getting the constipation. The gas has gone down. Then we reintroduce one of these sugary, these high FODMAP foods basically at a time to really figure out what is it, the specific food that's causing that that flare up
0: okay so would alcohol be considered a fodmap food then so it wouldn't be but it definitely causes the same thing that's (laughs) what i'm saying yeah yeah. okay okay. (laughs) dang
1: yeah the 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 key thing with with the fodmaps is um they're basically fermentable carbohydrates Mm um so i mean alcohol i guess is fermented but it's a really specific um set of criteria but lactose for example is one of the fodmap categories that we eliminate so dairy causes that bloating and distension and gas in a whole bunch of people. So we would eliminate lactose and there's, there's many others. More of the common foods do you think of. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like fructose is another one. So things like mangoes, we would actually pull away for a second too, before
0: we add it back in. Okay. So being a registered like dietitian, mm-hmm. just a little bit off the cuff, mm-hmm. like what is one of the biggest like food myths that is like your biggest pet peeve? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think it, it Honestly, it changes year
1: to year and even week to week based on the food trend. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that everyone needs to be on a low carb diet. I I think that's a one that's really cropped up, and somehow people are running away from rice and beans. And people are telling me fruit is the same as eating candy. And uh, I keto's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, keto. You know, you got to do keto or nothing. And (laughs) I think it's a huge misconception. I think for sure some people will do a lot better eating a little bit less carbs maybe you're heaping the plate too much with rice or you're going way too hard with you know candy and other sources of sugar Uh, but i think the reaction on the other end to just eliminate it entirely is a bit extreme for most people
0: fair enough okay um so yeah like even like this past summer Mm -hmm. you become an author yes of a very successful cookbook, I couldn't even get this on Amazon. Yeah, it was sold out. Uh, but bodybuilding thirty uh, minute cookbook. Can you explain like the how the process was to like put this together?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was really cool. Definitely first time author. It was a lot a lot of new skills to learn. Um, a, a publishing company reached out to me, uh, Callisto Publishing, and they were interested in in this topic and finding an author to help them kind of put this book together. And so it was really cool, kind of putting a a lot of the information that i do in my practice but writing it down and formalizing it in a book so you know the process went from finding editors to finding people to help with recipe development and testing to actually writing and you know i'm an okay writer um but then you know sending in a draft and then the editors being like okay we got to do this 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 change this word up here fix that and i'm like okay yeah there's like (laughs) there's like writing for school and then there's writing Mm -hmm. for publishing and it's a different sort of criteria so um the process was amazing and honestly shout out to Callisto because they really helped kind of as a new author take me through all the steps of developing an outline developing recipes writing out my chapters and so they they were
0: great for that nice because i feel like writing an essay and writing a cookbook are two different things right because somebody It's like directions, right? Yes. Yeah. But you have to kind of be specific to the point where like anyone can pick this up and know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And so
1: in in my cookbook, the first chapter is a little bit of nutrition science. It's a little bit of like, what does it mean if you're cutting from a bodybuilding perspective versus Mm -hmm. bulking, maintaining, and what's some of the brief science? But then after that, yeah, it's all recipes. And a lot of it it's like writing it but then it's you have to test it and make sure like if i gave this to a random person and they followed the directions are they going to end up with the same dish and if they're not then you got to rewrite it to make sure that it's clear so um and i added the extra challenge of making it like a quick 30 minute recipes so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to try and figure out how do i adapt some common recipes but make it quicker and make it to the point
0: yeah yeah because when i first got it i was like a little bit skeptical because you always think of like uh, health food books, and you're like, oh, is this gonna be bland? Is mm. and it's been pretty good. Like the deconstructed turkey lasagna was fire. At first, yep. I was just like, ah, dry ass turkey, <laughs> <laughs> how's it gonna be? But no, it's on point. Thank and you. Yeah, everything I've had so far has been great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would actually, um, I was thinking, I would recommend the shakshuka next if you're trying want to try something. Um, it's great. It's the egg and like tomato sauce dish. Sauce. And, yeah, it's good. And if you have more than 30 minutes, cook the sauce for longer and it'll taste even better.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll definitely try that out. Um, but you are also an owner. Yes. Of a business downtown Toronto, CES Nutrition. Um, being an entrepreneur is never easy. So what is like one thing you didn't expect owning your own business? That's a great question.
1: You know, um, I think and it's it's going to sound like a dumb answer, but <laughs> I didn't expect how many hours of work I would put, have to put in. Um, I started, I really started things right before COVID, maybe six months before the pandemic hit. And so the challenge was I started my own business and I was also contracting with other businesses that did the exact same thing I did, which was mm-hmm. a great learning process. But I It also meant I was easily doing a hundred plus hours a week, working every single day, every single night for honestly a year and a half. A year and a half of hundred-hour weeks with like very little breaks, and that was a crazy workload. Um, And you would think, right? If you ask anyone, like, do you think starting a business is going to be a lot of work? They're going to say, yeah, it is. But it is so that was um, a little bit of a surprise to me how much how much work but also honestly how much i was able to adapt to it as well i was I surprised myself in that i was able to keep up with things and mm-hmm. you know it helps when you're in a small studio and there's a pandemic and there's nothing else to do anyway so you might as well just sit there and do work so that yeah. may- maybe was an asset for me
0: fair enough yeah i think you don't really realize just like yeah the amount of work that goes into it um even like even doing this podcast it's like a side passion hot like hustle right yeah but i'm like man i just spent like two hours editing this old this old episode exactly and there's like little things you don't really think about um like you said you had started this business right before the pandemic started Mm -hmm. how hard of that was a pivot because you have a a business mindset of it's going to work this way yes and covid came and scrapped that and you can't see nobody and how was that shift? It, it was definitely a challenge at first, but I also think it turned into an opportunity.
1: So mm. the initial challenge was before, right before COVID, I was literally signed a contract to have office space in like uh, in a clinic, in a lab that had all this great testing facilities. And I was going to like work with them and we'd see clients. It was going to be, you know, the dream. And I had that penciled in literally. And um, COVID hit and that was completely gone and my entire sort of business plan of having people come into the lab and also see me and have that connection evaporated. I think one of the advantages that I was able to realize was starting your own practice virtually um, was a lot more legitimate now. You know, Mm. pre-COVID, if you were just a dietitian that saw people online – no one really trusted you. It's like, oh, you're just some new grad who can't afford office space. So you want to see me virtually post COVID. I could see a new client be like, oh, we am just doing virtual right now. You know, COVID they'd be like, yeah, we got it. We're good. And so <laughs> that really opened up. and made me look and appear much more professional to be in a virtual mm-hmm. capacity. And I think the second advantage that I was able to, to really capitalize on was not, I think previously, just like physios, dietitians, chiros, the people you see are the people who live in your immediate area who are willing to drive or, or walk you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes to see you
0: but now, now you're getting like a whole
1: exactly it's, it's expanding your field right exactly anybody can kind of look you up see what you do if they're interested in you they know they can jump on a zoom call and and get the mm-hmm. dietician that they want so you might argue that there's more competition in that way but it also really expands expands your reach so uh, those are the two things I was able to take advantage of and now that hopefully we're getting towards the end of the pandemic i'm sort of back in the same position where i can have clinic space now and i have a big enough business where it makes sense so
0: yeah yeah i think one big thing over covid is just like one saving time is one doing everything online virtually Mm -hmm. um and then no overhead costs like you said not having to pay for an office space Mm uh maybe a website here and there but that's very inexpensive nowadays absolutely um so yeah just the automatic automatic setup is a lot more simpler of a process than yes. it would be if you're doing the traditional way, which for certain things, I'm like, why were we doing it? Like a job interview? Why was I driving an hour and something to sit? <laughs> have to have to find the room and everything like that. Yeah. Right. So, um, I feel like definitely certain things have been for the better. Absolutely. All right. But let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so let's go into like the more athletic realm of things. Yes. So, I've always known you as a football player Mm -hmm. (laughs) and as of like the last like three years, I'm scrolling through my Instagram stories. I'm seeing you slamming bodies on the ground. I'm like, where, (laughs) who is this? Yeah. (laughs) So now you're like heavily involved in this like combat sport, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you make that switch? And like what similarities and similarities and differences do you see between like the two football and this combat sports that you're doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a great question. I think so. Yeah, I definitely grew up playing football. Football was my sport. It was my thing all through high school. <laughs> and what I found was after graduating, in sp- and I, you know, I did an intramural football in university as well, but after graduating, mm-hmm. I I needed some kind of competitive outlet, right? Like I felt like God, I'm too old to be playing football. There's no intramural tackle football anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, what can I do that's competitive? But also, honestly, if you wanted me to do cardio it's not going to happen just from pure motivation. Like I'd want, I need something to train for or something to push me. So yeah. I was kind of looking around, you know, I'm, I'm always watching sports doing my thing. I'm, I'm watching a little bit of UFC and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's kind of cool what they're doing. And um, with mixed martial arts, there's so many different martial arts lumped into one that I started to mm-hmm. kind of testing my waters, take a kickboxing class, a Muay Thai class, a Brazilian Jitsu class. And, Um, I found with Brazilian jiu-jitsu in particular, it was really, really exciting. It's a grappling combat. So you're actually able to go 100% without fear of hurting yourself too bad. uh, Because the moment someone chokes you or puts you in some kind of lock, you can tap out right away. um, And you're exhausted. You're not going to – there's no cardio like fighting for your life so you know even if you're mm -hmm, if you're roadside (laughs) running and you get tired you can convince yourself to slow down if someone's on your back trying to strangle you and you get tired it's what are you gonna do you're gonna stop fighting and get choked out or you're gonna keep going so you know yeah there's no cardio like it and that's really what got me in the door and then since then i've just it's like it's like uh competition and it's also like human chess and that there's just so mm-hmm. much to learn and it's like i do this then they do that then i do this and there's just so much to it so i, I love it
0: yeah yeah i feel like there's a lot of similarities in terms of like football is always that one-on-one battle right mm-hmm. and like if the defensive end's going to swim then you do this then if if you rips, you do that yes, right so exactly. it's exactly that type of mind game to it um yeah i think just uh yeah, Combat Sports something I never even thought you would go into. <laughs> to be honest now thinking back into it. But no, that's dope to see. Yeah. I wish I always troll you because I'm like, ah, he beat you this on this one, but <laughs> it's true. But yeah. I honestly if you asked me back in the day, I would have never thought I would go into it mm-hmm. either. But
1: yeah, yeah, just kind of testing it, dipping your toe and most of the most of the gyms you go to it's not like everyone's a pro fighter and you step in and just get folded day one you yeah know, you can kind of go in and oh i'm a beginner let me just learn a one two and people are all all pretty cool so
0: yeah I love yeah it. oh dope okay um so you come from this like big Ghanaian family with the younger brother who's a professional athlete yes uh professional football for the toronto argonauts of the canadian football league um so that type of athlete, combat sport athlete, football athlete, what type of like nutrition regimen would you recommend for them?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so absolutely, yeah. My my brother being in the CFL and even through that, I've also got to meet and and listen and and greet other CFL players. So they definitely have very different nutrition recommendations from, you know, someone sitting on the couch or even someone like me who's more of a casual competitor, very, Mm -hmm. very different needs. Every individual sort of needs their own nutrition assessment and nutrition plan that works for them based on their goals. There's things we need to consider like body size and energy expenditure tells us how much calories they need. The intensity of the activity tells us you know, how much carbs versus fat they need to fuel how much training they're doing and everything they're adding weight training gives us an indication of protein requirements so there's a lot that goes into designing a little bit of a, a regimen. what i would say um, to give you w- one example of an answer um, when it comes to intensity when it comes to what our body's deciding to use as a fuel source we're typically playing between do i want to use carbs to fuel my energy or do I want to use fat to fuel my energy? Those are the mm-hmm. two things our body holds up. I usually um, say it's kind of like if you imagine a car took um, two types of gasoline, right? If you're doing a high performance race, you might need that like supercharged, like that high intense fuel versus if you're just driving around the street, you can probably handle that regular pump. Our body's the same way. So football specifically falls into that high intensity sport it's not golf it's not jogging it's yeah. five ten seconds all out and then 30 40 second break in the huddle mm-hmm. so that sport in particular is almost 100 being fueled by carbohydrates so that type of athlete they are the ones who need to you know have their fruit and rice and potatoes and, and those dishes need to be almost central in their diet to in order to feel that nonstop explosive style sport. Okay. Yeah. And that nice. again, that's just one consideration. There's so much that goes into, to making a, a sort of plan for them. But if I were to highlight like one key principle, it'd be
0: that. Uh, are you like involved in your brother's like nutritional plan? Cause like if he picks up the fries, you slap his hand. Like, hey.
1: <laughs> no, no. So it's weird being a dietitian because I guess as a like registered health um practitioner there's certain conflicts of interest like a doctor can't treat their mother for example because you wouldn't their their governing body wouldn't trust them to give you know objective care you'd be like no i gotta hold on to mom you gotta add this in this treatment so it's sort of even though nutrition certainly is generally lower really lower risk dietitians also see people in hospitals and treat more more serious conditions so (laughs) i can't necessarily see my brother but in terms of athletes within his circle that's the type of thing that uh absolutely i look forward to doing and i've definitely worked with many football players
0: okay okay so you can just like indirectly like tell matthew don't touch this
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: exactly (laughs) or watch him make a protein shake and be like ah you sure want to add that or (laughs) (laughs) those jokes um but you also have an elder brother Mm -hmm. um before I go into the highlights of him, let's go into the lowlights of him. <laughs> that hair of his, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Uh, pandemic, he growing it out. Yeah. Before pandemic, with him, what him and his barber were doing for two, two and three years was egregious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going through my IG storylines <laughs> and every two days, fresh cut. Before and after, picture looking the exact yep. same. Yep, yep, the exact same. Some absolute foolishness this man was doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like what. Like I, like I don't know if he just walks in, daps the barber, and walks out. I'd be like, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't oh, understand. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, now that's him, and and now he's growing it out. I don't know what's going on, but
0: he's uh, living no his clue, life. Yeah. I just leave him be. By far, one of the funniest persons on social media <laughs> for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, to his highlights, he's in a similar field to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, a part of this very successful Toronto food blog, Six Eats. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, what is the favorite spot he's put you on from that? Ooh, there's so
1: many. There's so many. I think oh, I'm trying to remember the name of this restaurant now. Um, I think it's uh, Big Clucks. It's um, they sell these huge chicken burgers and they yeah. have a secret menu that has like a waffle as the buns and like a giant chicken and purple cabbage and it is amazing. I'm messing up that the name now, fire. but he has put me on so many restaurants. He used to, especially pre-pandemic, but we're getting back into it now. He used to just yeah, drop by yeah. on weekends. Yo, I'm going to this spot. Let's go check it out. Let's do our thing. And so, uh yeah, he has so many elite rep spots. Definitely check it out.
0: Has he gone to the point where it's like they're asking him to come? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they reach out. He showed me his inbox. It's right now. Yeah. He just has DMs of of different restaurants being like, yo, come through, we're putting together this thing for you. And, you know, he succeeds, but now he's not even just in Toronto. He's, you know, getting pulled all over the place through Durham and beyond. Yeah. So now he's definitely pulled together a little bit of success there.
0: Okay. So this is a little sidebar. Mm -hmm. Um, So food kind of found you in university. Did food kind of find him in the same way?
1: I, I think I think for him it's a little different. So I guess um, on that side note, my, we all kind of grew up extremely experimental with food, and mm. I honestly it's hard to point exactly where it comes from, but I think it's two things. One sort of being you know african in general but i'm sure even K- K- as caribbeans <laughs> it's the same thing it's the food it, yeah, is yeah. well seasoned right yeah so you're not worried that oh i put a little too much basil it's not that serious you're not that nervous yeah, yeah. about it so that also in seeing my mom cook and use tons of herbs and spices but then also i remember my dad Every so often, my mom would come home late from work or, or or be doing whatever. And so my dad would have to cook. And I could tell this guy was just doing nonsense in the kitchen. <laughs> he's just putting whatever. I saw him grab something, put it on the chicken. And he's like, oh, Terrence, what is this? Can you check this for me? And I'm like, that's ketchup popcorn seasoning. And he's like, oh, I, I, I put a little bit on. We'll see how it tastes. And, and so <laughs> I think from, from stuff like that, it made me realize that You can be extremely flexible with food. So we were never Mm. nervous about cooking and putting things together. And if it ends up trash, it ends up trash, you know, for next time. But then you can learn and get experiments. So we we grew up cooking, we grew up having fun and having some of those heavier uh, meals. And I think he kind of parlayed that into the types of foods that he enjoys to eat. Weird and interesting combinations, fusion dishes. Um, That's the stuff he goes for on his page. And I think a lot of it's inspired by that.
0: Yeah, that's dope. No, he's definitely put me onto a couple of spots. There's one in Oshawa, um, um, Bollywood Tacos. Yeah. But, like, yeah, just like butter chicken on a paratha roti with all the toppings and everything. It's some, yeah, some dope spots he's put me on for sure. And it's kind of dope to see it grow because I remember when you just started and it was just maybe a spot here and there. And now mm-hmm. you're just driving all over the city, right? <laughs> exactly. So, that's sweet. Um, but, yeah, onto the topic of, like, our culture and everything like that. Like, so the black community. Yes. riddled with diabetes, riddled with high blood pressure. Mm. I come from a Trinidadian like background. Like my mom is sure. We always had the pilau stew chicken going. Yes. For yourself, rich uh Ghanian heritage. Mm-hmm. I know mom Botang always had the banku and the <laughs> jollof ju- rice going. Yeah. The na- the Nigerian jalaf's better though, but nah, it's I uh, <laughs> 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 But I think the I think the one major question with our food is like is our cultural food actually good for us or is it slowly killing us?
1: Mm. Yeah, you know what, that is a great question. And I feel like if I, if I do another cookbook, this is something I'd want to address. So I think there's two things going on. A lot of our traditional food was designed for a very different time. So mm. it wasn't designed for a time when people were sitting down all day, working at their computer, typing away, burning very little energy. You know that cuisine was designed from i mean if you go especially if you go all the way back in caribbean culture it's some of it's inspired by slave cuisine and and really getting energy dense foods in order to work the field but even Mm. even you know if we go back to africa you had to work it was hot you were sweating and you were burning so much energy and so you'll see many people back home who still maybe live a more traditional lifestyle to match the foods and they're not suffering from all these conditions, these metabolic conditions. It's a diet match to that. Mm. Um, So we have a taste for that with a very different lifestyle. And I think there's so many elements in a lot of these traditional foods that just need to be slightly modified to meet um, to meet to the demands of today, I- I'll give you w- one, one example. I have a client who is
0: uh, don't say quinoa and peas. No no, 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 no. Okay, not, 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 <laughs> does
1: dishes like that. <laughs> uh, I but I had one client who's she's West African and and she loves like you know the hearty soups with with different meats. That's what we we always eat, and it, there's usually a starch of some kind, whether it's rice and soup or um, fufu or banku or all of these dishes. And what we got to do is, you know, I can't tell her, go, go put broccoli in that soup. That's not, that's not how you make the soup. You can't mm-hmm. just go and put, coll- that's not how you make the soup. So what we started doing was having an appetizer, which was like a nice bowl of fresh vegetables, like a salad or, or something like that, so that you're at least sort of half filling your stomach with a lot of the lower calorie energy, less mm-hmm. energy dense, but nutrient dense foods. And then after that, she's having a way smaller portion of, of the, the rice and the meaty soup because she's already had some vegetables included. And so that's one example of a modification that we made where and for, for her, for example, she was just trying to lose some weight. She had uh, she wanted to improve her blood sugar and some that among other things, she was able to eat African foods the whole way and yeah. lose the weight and improve her blood sugar. And so I think Again, just there's slight tweaks that we need to do with some of these recipes that don't change or ruin the recipe, but update it for a more sedentary lifestyle.
0: Okay, I see. I think the one caveat I think I have to that is like, I have, I know many people that are stubborn to tea, like mm-hmm. Jamaicans where it's like, all I eat is the jerk chicken, rice and peas, oxtail, ackee and saltfish, and that's yep. it. Yeah. I what broccoli, I'm not touching it. Don't give it to me. <laughs> I think how do you do you kind of just leave people the way they are in that circumstance? Or is there like a way of kind of having them turn turn it around a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, step one, I always start with low-hanging fruit. There's usually and you know, working in private practice, I, I might have that privilege of No one's reaching out to me personally, unwilling to make any changes. No one's paying Mm -hmm. me money to say, I don't want to do anything. Now, they definitely have their things that they're not trying to change. uh, And I definitely get those clients, but there's usually something. And so I look over an entire person's diet and maybe we're not getting off rice, peas and jerk chicken as the staple. Maybe that's going to stick, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But they're also drinking mango juice, and they're also doing X, Y, and Z, and maybe a little bit too much ice cream. And so it's like, what are the low-hanging fruit that we can work on? What are the things that we can add? Because sometimes it's not just about taking away, but adding certain things automatically means you got to eat a little bit less of other things and then over time you kind of move the goalpost so first month we might start here then second month it's like all right you know we've been chilling on the juice what do you think about adding this to this and what do you think about that all right we checked off that goal can we add a little exercise checked off that goal and you know month one to month two might not look drastic but month one to month eight they could be on a whole new kind of healthier diet
0: okay so going to the point where you're saying you can you don't always have to like take away, you can always like add on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is like you have like the misnomer sometimes where people are like, "Oh, I'll have a diet coke with this like trashy meal." Yeah. And it will like negate everything and cancel everything <laughs> out. It's stupid logic, <laughs> but like people do think like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I I think with that, so especially with like, yeah, let me just grab a Diet Coke and then, you know, large fries and and a a Big Mac or or whatever it is. I am way more of the opinion of if you're going to go and have a fun meal, just go have a fun meal. Mm -hmm. Like I, and this is maybe more of my philosophy, but, you know, people will ask me like, oh, how do I make this muffin healthier? Or how do I make healthy chocolate chip cookies? And I just say, go have chocolate chip cookies. But what we need to talk about is how often is this going to be a part how much fun are we going to have you know yeah. it's obviously it's not the same but if we think about alcohol for example uh, you know if you want to have go out on a friday night and have fun who am i to tell you not to have fun mm-hmm. but if you're having fun on friday saturday sunday monday tuesday before you know it, you're an alcoholic so yeah. you know that's the difference it's like go and have sugar go and have juice have these things but recognize that these aren't foods for my health they're foods because i just like them they're fun maybe i'm watching a movie yeah. and let's figure out how much fun can we have while still
0: achieving whatever goal that you've set out to achieve it's all fun and games so someone loses a foot right <laughs> exactly <So> like, yeah. <laughs> okay thing <laughs> yeah i didn't even think about that i think that's just the premise of like i think when people think of like dietitian or diet it's like oh what am i gonna lose what do i have to give mm. up but it's not really just like introducing new foods into your diet and yeah. And things of that things of that nature, right? Absolutely. Um. So I think just to wrap it up, this is one question I always ask every guest: If you could go back in time and have a conversation with twelve-year-old Terrence, what's one piece of advice you would give him, and why?
1: That is, yeah, that is a good question. I think the one thing I would probably give twelve-year-old Terrence is that hard work and not taking the lazy way pays off i have learned so much in my life that when you try and be when you're lazy you do twice the work that is a Mm. quote that i have found to be so so true from the little things like oh let me just uh let me just reach over and try and grab my pen off the floor and then you fall off your chair and you're 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 looking wild and you pick up your pen versus i could have just got up picked up my pen so those little things to like taking shortcuts and you know getting like a 50 or a 49 in biology when first year university and then having to retake it because I was too lazy to just sit down and study the first time. So I would say, don't take the lazy way, do the extra work. You will get more out of it and you'll end up actually doing less work in the long run to get to where you want to get to.
0: Nice. That's dope. That's actually really good. Um, one last, last bonus question. Um, yes. High school, you and I were probably the only ones that bumped Illmatic and Stillmatic, <laughs> old school hip-hop. Yes. What are you currently bumping right now?
1: Yeah, I am so slow in the music game, but I'm still bumping J. Cole's off-season. I think it, really? the album is Fire, Fair. Pride nice. is my track. So
0: I, I'm still bumping that. And yeah, I'm going I'm to live with that till I die. So I'm happy. Yeah. With it. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Cold. That's good. Exactly. Um. Well, yeah, thank you for taking the time with us. Um, if you just wanted to shout out your socials, where yeah, people can hit you at.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So you can find me uh, at Terrence Nutrition on Instagram, T-E-R-E-N-C-E, Nutrition. Um, I also have a Facebook page, Terence Nutrition. Uh, and my website is csnutrition.ca. So you can check me out, see what I'm doing. And if you're interested in appointments and things like that, you can reach out.
0: Okay, perfect. Cool. Thank you very much. No worries at all. Enjoy the rest of your day. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beneath Sport Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Beneath Sports, and check us every Wednesday on all podcast platforms. See you in the next one. Deuces.